Good morning, and thank you all for coming. My name is Rebecca, and my Dharma name is Wan He. The title of my talk today is Timeless and Placeless Meditation, or you can take it with you. I have a favorite meditation spot. It's on my screened-in porch. I think of it as the place where I do my best meditation, a place where I'm most comfortable. In the mornings, there's fresh, cool air. I hear the cardinals and tuis and crows talking to each other. And occasionally, I hear our resident owl. I face out toward the forest and let my eyes gently rest unfocused at the base of an oak tree. Squirrels pop in and out of view. Early mornings are my favorite time to meditate. I find that if I have not managed my morning time well and say, oh, I'm working from home, so it'll be very easy to meditate later, I'll just go downstairs, take a quick break from work. That usually doesn't happen. So I've set up a specific place and time for my meditation practice. This is not a bad thing. In fact, it's a recommended way to get yourself into a regular meditation practice a way to set it up as a habit. But we don't want to stop there. The chapter in Wan Buddhist scriptures called the Dharma of Timeless Zon, Timeless Zen, is about taking the practice with us into the real world, into our everyday interactions at home or school or work, at the gas station, talking with friends, fighting with a spouse, and into a world dealing with the coronavirus. This chapter is not an easy read, not the first time you read it, not the 50th time you read it. For example, here's a sentence from the second paragraph. If people intend to practice genuine song, they first should take true voidness as the substance and marvelous existence as the function and externally be unmoving when in contact with myriad sensory conditions and internally keep the mind unsullied like empty space. These concepts like true voidness, marvelous existence, and others mentioned later in the chapter like freedom of mind, original true nature, can be really off-putting, especially if you are not a philosophy major or if you approach things like I do and just think, okay, fine, what can I actually do about this? But what I'd like to leave you with today is the idea that you actually can do something and that it is a reachable, attainable goal. Also, that there is no real magic to it. Any one of us can learn how to practice timeless and, med and placeless meditation. Bear with me if I, as I give you a very layperson's summary of the chapter. The chapter starts out by saying that meditation on and off the mat is a practice. The ultimate outcome is freedom of mind, achieved by understanding our true nature. Understanding our true nature means that we recognize the relationship between true voidness and marvelous existence. We keep our mind tamed at all times and in all circumstances. No action in action, no rest in rest. In other words, we are always alert, in touch with our true nature, 
and can find our calm center at any time. The aim is for our mind to not abide in any one place, to be unmoved regardless of the situation. And while this seems hard, everyone has the capacity to do this because we, are, we all possess a Buddha nature. The chapter continues by saying that taming the mind is not easy. It's a gradual training. We persevere in the face of pushback from others and from our own egos. We fight to the bitter end. We also take every chance to practice. And each time we meditate, we get stronger. We need to keep testing ourselves to see how we're doing. Are we ready for this particular situation? And we keep on guard. Many years of practice leads us to be centered like an iron pillar. We are fully defended. Nothing can freak us out. We can maintain equanimity in all situations, even in this dusty world. We find our inner calm. Eventually, we achieve understanding of non-duality, no good, no bad, no self, no other. And we are liberated. We achieve ultimate bliss. The chapter goes on to explain that we don't need to be monks sitting alone at the top of a mountain to attain timeless Zen. In fact, it cannot be reached this way. We need a Sangha, a support group, if you will. And we need to practice not only during sitting meditation, but at work and with our families and with our enemies and everywhere. But we must practice everywhere, not just on the mat. It's not useful otherwise. Our ultimate goal is to serve others. The final sentence in the chapter simply states that when we are at rest, we should remove distracting thoughts and focus on the one mind. When we are active, we should remove wrong thoughts and actions and nurture right thoughts and actions. So, as I said, the chapter is profound and challenging, but as with everything, a little practice, a little study, and some persistence can pay off, and we can get some glimpses of understanding. Let's take a closer look at two of these concepts, true voidness and marvelous existence. These concepts are complementary. True voidness can be described as the original source of all things in the universe and the original nature of all sentient beings. In other words, our original true nature. In this realm, there is no birth and death, no cause and effect, no change at all. True voidness is what we are aiming for in our meditation practice. It's what we are at our core and what we strive to touch during our lifetimes. The closer we are to the source, the more we are able to model ourselves after truth and the more we are able to progress along the path. I'm not saying it's what we actually achieve, but we practice so that we might be able to tap into that inner serenity when it's needed. Through this voidness emerges marvelous existence. Marvelous existence is everything we see, hear, smell, taste, touch, and know. It's oak trees and slugs and disease and mockingbirds and roof shingles and money. And this interplay between true voidness and marvelous existence is described as creative transformations that freely conceal and reveal themselves throughout all things in the universe. So, what can we do about all this? Are there practical applications? When I read this chapter, 
I tend to envision the kind of person described here as lofty, so far beyond my reach. But with careful reading and with some determination and support from other people, who are also learning to practice, we realize that there is no unattainable magic here. Our minds like to be busy. We tell stories about ourselves and others. We compose to-do lists and emails. We have inner dialogues with our enemies. We also use our minds to think about complex concepts and solve challenging puzzles and figure out if there's enough stuff in the fridge to make a good sandwich. This is all okay most of the time, but it becomes not okay when we're unable to separate ourselves from our thoughts. Do you know the feeling of being consumed by your thoughts? Behaving as if your negative thoughts are the actual truth? Or maybe just not being able to shift your thoughts into a different direction if they're not very helpful? A feeling of being stuck? Getting unstuck starts with awareness, and that is easier to do when you are at rest sitting in meditation. We have the power to distance ourselves from the things that pop into our mind. As we meditate, we practice allowing thoughts to pop up, but not attaching to them, not playing with them. Just letting them pass by on their own. The practice of sitting meditation primes us for dealing with the world beyond the mat. It can teach us that we are not our thoughts. With awareness comes choice in action off the mat. We can choose not to obey our ego when it says, you should get some recognition for all this hard work you're doing. And we can choose to resist when our stomach says, you really deserve that huge bowl of mint chocolate chip ice cream. As our practice strengthens, we can also gain power to not react with irritation when a particular situation pushes our buttons. We become aware of when we are getting angry or despondent, and we can do something to stop it escalating. Even if all we can do at this point is to physically walk away from a situation, that's fine. Awareness can help us in another practical way. In my experience, it's actually quite hard to assess how we are doing in our practice. There are changes, but they can be so subtle that we don't notice them and we don't acknowledge them. So let's make an effort to notice those little things when they happen. If we are able to react with compassion instead of irritation when a friend complains about what seems to be a minor trouble, this shows that we're getting stronger. Also, we can listen to and absorb what others are saying to us. I've been told a lot in the past by friends, family, and even strangers, stop panicking. You're losing it. Don't fall apart. Panicking in the face of high expectations has been my go-to response for years. But lately, I've begun to hear statements like, I rely on you in a stressful situation, and you seem so calm. These really surprise me when I hear this, but I'm now listening and believing. And that is a powerful position to be in. I still panic, certainly, but now there are times when I can maintain equanimity, and it's lovely. In closing, 
I'd like to show you a couple of pictures. Here we see a, a meditating Buddha. I noticed this Buddha during my morning walk around the block when I used to go into work, very peacefully sitting in nature, a little smile, perhaps in touch with his or her original true nature. If we pan out, however, with this same picture, we see that the environment may not be as peaceful or beautiful as we thought. Note the unattractive cyclone fence behind him and the trash can in front of him. And what's that propped up behind the trash can? Look closely. That's actually a pooper scooper. This Buddha sits right in front of an animal hospital and people take their dogs to do that little bit to that little bit of green to do their business. So, what does this have to do with timeless and placeless meditation? What can this image tell us? What exactly is the message here? Well, I don't know for sure what the message is, but I know, I do know that you can discover one. Thank you.